Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, back in the studio today, and uh, we actually do have all four pastors in the room today. We have Pastor Phil and Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Russ. And uh, so unfortunately, we just lost several of our listeners as yes. they had heart attacks and now are no more. Yeah, so. from, from the the recordings that we did without Phil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank, thanks, Phil. Yeah, we, yeah, I think we were up to like fifteen, and then it dropped down below the ten mark again. So that means for you, Jonathan, that you have to get another <laughs> gift for the tenth <laughs> subscriber. <laughs> All right. Well, um, in all seriousness, uh, we are basically ramping up for our conference coming up September 17th and 18th, just over two weeks away at Valley Shepherd Church. Dr. Robert Godfrey, Dr. Terry Johnson. Uh, This is our annual Reformation Boise conference. You can find all the details at ReformationBoise.com. And it is on this vital subject of worship. I mean, uh, this is what we were made for. This is the chief end of man. This is why Jesus died on the cross. This is why Jesus rose from the dead. This is why he will come again in his second coming. This is why we are going to be brought into heaven so that we can worship God and enjoy him forever. And so, and, Unless you think that that's some sort of egotistical aspect of the, of the nature and character of God, that, that he just needs people to worship, it's actually just the opposite. It, it, it's It's out of the abundance of the love of God that he has sent his son in order to redeem a people to be able to worship him. It's, it's the greatest gift that can be given because God is the greatest object that there is. And his immensity is such a delight that he has allowed a people to worship. So it's, it's different then maybe how it sounds like, oh, God just needed people to worship him. Yeah, and uh, human beings, we were made to worship. We were created to worship God, and we will worship something. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone will worship something, whether, whether it's the triune God or what they see in the mirror or, uh, or some uh, celebrity or you know, uh, money. Uh, whatever we will, we will find something to worship. Yes, that's right. So today we're going to talk uh, about traditions of worship, and that's that's pretty much a cuss word in uh, modern evangelicalism. Traditions, but we were just talking off the air that the fact the fact of the matter is is that every church has a tradition, even if it it's cloaked in words like spontaneity and and. Um, and freedom. Um, every church does things a certain way. And so we're, we're kind of assuming that many of us attend church and, and kind of give very little thought to the traditions that we might have. Uh, it's, it's a lot like a, many other things in our lives that we do it without giving it much thought. So we want to kind of dive into a book um, that Hughes Oliphant Old, that has to be like the best name ever, right? <laughs> Hughes 
Oliphant Old. Like, who's going to forget that, right? Yeah, cool name. <laughs> it's really kind of a name that just never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Yeah. Really. He wrote a book called Worship uh, Reformed According to Scripture, and we're just going to spend some time reacting and responding to some of the things he talked about in, in our worship traditions. So he, let's just kind of go over a bullet point list that he had about the most important aspects of worship um, that we need to maintain or to recover. So um, here we go. The first one that he talks about that should be at the top of the list is expository preaching. And maybe it would benefit our listeners if Phil told us what expository preaching is. Uh, Absolutely. I I will do that. Uh, Expository preaching is uh, preaching from the Word, preaching from Scripture, scripturally based, scripturally saturated, um, and it, it, it... it doesn't mean simply quoting a few Bible verses here and there. There's a, in fact, uh, you can, you may hear a sermon uh, that quotes a lot of Bible verses, but is not expository. Expository preaching is based in the text, is faithful to the text. Um, explains what's in the text. Explains what's in the text. And, and it's more than a Bible study. It's more than uh, j- just uh, because, you know, there's, a lot more uh, application in it than, than maybe in a Bible story. And I would also say that faithful expository preaching, no matter where, no matter what the text is, no matter where you are in the Bible, faithful expository preaching is always Christ-centered, always has the cross and resurrection of Jesus at its heart, and always uh, there is a call to response to the gospel. And, and this is really in, in contrast to much of preaching today, which is just simply topical, that somebody might stand up, read a Bible text, read some verses, and then just go on to talk about something that they want to talk about, maybe a 20-minute talk on parenting or a 20-minute talk on contentment or a 20-minute talk on, mm-hmm. and you just fill in the blank. Yeah, um, Expository preaching, as Jonathan had, had said just a minute ago, is explaining what the text says. Mm-hmm. So if you can sit in a church and after the the sermon begins, close your Bible and it doesn't matter, then something's probably wrong. Yeah. Um, what you just described, uh, you know, a, a few Bible verses and then launch into a topic, that's what I call springboard preaching. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you hit the text like a diving board and, and then you launch. In, into space, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the text can be connected to it in some way, but really not necessary. Yeah, I, I recall somebody saying that they they heard some preaching and they 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 made the comment. Well, if the text in the sermon had a communicable disease, neither would have caught it. The other. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe one brief definition: that expository preaching is when the the main point of the text is the main point of the message yes where those two line up with one another mm-hmm. so closely related to that is the idea of that this is second on hughes oliphant oh i just like to say his name hughes mm-hmm. oliphant old's mm-hmm. list is lectio and Continua. you know why you like to say his name because it's it never gets old it never gets old <laughs> yeah. so the next one on the list is the the use of lectio continua now we're getting into latin so well, you know you know one of the things that hugh oliphant old said did says, i say it wrong? Is it, well i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Augustine and Augustine, you know, you, 
It's however you want to do it. Well, you can right. just you you claim a certain spirit superiority by just saying, saying it one it way. the other <laughs> the other way, right? You know, so what he would say say is you know we're talking about reformed traditioning, but he says um, it's more than tradition um, because what he'll bring out in his book is these are the things that are drawn from the Word of God. This is the you know, we do certain things, we're commanded to do certain things, we have prescribed ways of doing things because those things come out of the Word of God. The traditions of men are are simply the traditions of men, and they're, they're the things that are indifferent. It doesn't matter how many songs you sing. It doesn't matter. It matters that you sing, um, but it doesn't matter how many. Yeah. Those are indifferent things. Uh, there, are, there are a number of indifferent things that a person might do in, in worship. So when we go back to what is, what are things that aren't indifferent, things that have to be in there, we've already mentioned the, uh, the, pre, the expository preaching of the Word, and now in Lectio Continua, that just means the continuation, maybe book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, mm-hmm. the continuation uh, through things. So you're not simply doing a one-off message on topics, Right. And and then, you know, lucky dipping in the scripture uh, to see where you're going to be the next week, yeah. or you know, God forbid, using your newspaper to pick your social media to pick your next topic. Yeah, right, yeah. right. One of the things about lectio continua that is is so vital is that through the course of any particular book, like right now, our church is in First Corinthians, is you will touch on topics that make you feel uncomfortable that um, go against the, the cultural norms that are, are perhaps taboo, uh, that are the hidden sins of any particular people. And those are not subjects that a preacher would naturally desire to pick up and preach yes, on. Yes. And so God kind of forces us to, nope, this is, this is the red man. Yeah, uh, Lectio Continua, uh, just to uh, emphasize the definition again, uh, just means preaching through books of the Bible take a book and just preach through it week by week. And I, for, for instance, I once took two years to preach through the book of Acts. Right. Uh, that was, in, that was a number, quite, a, quite a number of years ago. And I think the entire congregation was relieved when we finally got to the end of the book of Acts. But when we got to the end, our congregation knew the book of Acts. We just finished up First Peter um, last Sunday. And, uh, you know, I looked back, I actually counted up we had done 24 sermons on that. So for a half a year, we were in a book with five chapters. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't take larger portions, uh, you know, sure. particularly. And the book of the, that you're going through will almost dictate that to you by uh, whether you're dealing with a long narrative yeah. or whether you're doing, you know, like in the, in the epistles or in the letters, you know, you have some, you know, there's some tight wording there yeah. and uh, that needs to be explained as you yeah. go on. Yeah. And so... You'll find there's some natural breaks as well. You know, there's places where you get to the point where it says therefore, yeah. and you have to, you know, it's summarizing a yeah. statement. So you're you have to be aware of what's taking place in the genre and the style. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna run out of time, so we need to get to the couple other things on the traditions of worship. Oh, we don't need to get to everything. Oh, we, we, we can, no, we, we need to get we, all done. We, we, not right today. Now. We can do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me let me make one more comment about uh, lectio continua, preaching through books. Uh, this was something that Calvin, John Calvin, started doing in when he led the Reformation in Geneva in the 16th century, and 
one of the reasons, you know, first, first reason is Calvin wanted to be faithful to the word and for all the reasons we've talked about. But at the beginning of the Reformation, you had congregations full of people that didn't know their Bible. They had never heard it. Mm-hmm. And so Calvin wanted to teach the Bible in such a way that his listeners became familiar with the Word of God, familiar with the Bible. And uh, in many ways today, in many ways today, sadly, there is a level of ignorance about the Bible that is troubling. And uh, we once again need uh, the clear teaching of the Bible from Christian pulpits. The interesting thing about Calvin is at one point he ran afoul of those in Geneva and he left Geneva and then he was later invited back. And so where he cut off that Lectio Continua when he left, when he came back, everybody wondered what his first sermon was going to be. And he just picked up where he, he left off. Where he left off. <laughs> yes. We are going to run out of time, but I did want to just make one last comment about this. In the part of the benefit of it is that the weight of the book is impressed upon the the church. Um, so every book has an argument, and so when you just drop in for a little section and then go out. Um, you lose the sustained argument that, that, the, that the Holy Spirit through a human author is, is making. And so as you go through an entire book, I, I feel like I think the weight of the book is more I- intense. That's right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Please go to ReformationBoise.com, register for our conference. We'll see you in a couple weeks. 